guys, I hope you guys and girls, I hope you're super excited for this episode today. Uh, oh, by the way, Michael Rosiel, host of Our Athletes, where we get to talk to Olympic athletes on their story and path to the games. Kamali Thompson, Dr. Kamali Thompson. Kamali is a fencer, United States fencer. She is also a medical student or a resident. So she's past medical student and she's a doctor. She works with people, their insides. It's incredible. I'm going to 100% make sure that you follow her Instagram because it's cool. Some of the stuff that she's doing, but also just, she's an incredible person. We have such a fun conversation. She's so interesting. She has so much stuff going on. And I don't, I mean, I know we all have the same 24 hours, but clearly she utilizes hers just a little bit better than most of us do. So guys, please enjoy this episode with Kamali. She is an absolutely fantastic person. And uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. All right. Today, another absolutely special guest. We have Kamali Thompson of USA Fencing. Kamali was born December 11th, 1991, all the way out in the beautiful, sunny Los Angeles area, I guess. Maybe was it directly in LA? I mean, yeah, I know they're all like, LA. oh, okay, cool. Because mm-hmm. cool. I know there's like a million cities around it. They all call it's LA. Really LA. No, I'm yeah. actually from LA. Very cool. Very cool. I don't know if that's, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> she started fencing actually her freshman year of high school. And again, she is on the United States fencing team. So clearly a gigantic leap in a short period of time. She attended Temple University and became a four-time NCAA championship qualifier, a second team All-American and the first four-time NIWFA conference champ, four times in a row. Just want to make sure that we said that one. She began competing for Team USA in 2014 and was a five-time national silver medalist and finished fifth on the national point standings. She won the 2016 national championship and was second in 2018. Molly is now a fourth-year medical slash MBA student at Rutgers Robert Wood Johnson Medical School. My alma, well, the Rutgers part was my alma mater, not the whole medical school part. But Kamali, thanks for hanging out with us today. I appreciate thanks it. Thanks for that really wonderful introduction. I really appreciate it. Hey, I mean, you put it on your website, so all I really did was read it off. <laughs> That's very true. But hey, you know, you're welcome. You know what? You know, kudos to you for. No, I'm kidding. Awesome. So thank you so much. But I mean, that was such a short intro. You've done so much more stuff in your life. If you don't mind, just kind of, you know, the best stories start from the beginning. If you want to just kind of, I don't know, fill in a couple of the details that I might have missed. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to start from fencing or do you want to start in LA? No, let's, <laughs> let's learn more about you. I mean, your whole life's not fencing, obviously. Let's learn a little That's bit about you true. first. Very true. All right. Well, I have, um, I'm from LA, from Baldwin Hills. It used to be a sh- uh, one of the first reality TV shows was called Baldwin Hills. So, oh, not fun the hills? fact about where I'm from. No, it was the hills. And then there was another show called Baldwin Hills. Oh. Um, from Baldwin Hills, I moved uh, across the country when I was in fourth grade. My parents wanted a change of, just like, you know, change pace. My parents, my mom's also from New Jersey, so she wanted to come back to your family. I have a younger brother. He's five years younger than me, but he's taller than me, so everyone thinks he's older than me, but he isn't. <laughs> I have that same problem. Don't worry. It's the worst. It's so, and then, and then I have to say, no, I'm in medical school. He's only in college. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I moved to Teaneck, New Jersey. Teaneck's random because a lot of people have heard of it before. Um, and it's a really great area because it's really diverse. It's got a really good mixture of socioeconomic statuses. So there's, you know, lower income, middle, upper class, everyone's kind of just in one place. So you really get to learn a lot about other people, which is why it's really weird that they have a fencing team there because usually that's more of the private schools. But um, I used to be a dancer. I used to be a flag twirler. And then I stopped all that and I started fencing. And what, 
what was it about fencing? Were you, were you just excited to hit people with swords all day? Like what so, exactly about fencing did you, did, like drove you there? So not exactly. So I actually didn't decide to start fencing. My mom decided I was going to start fencing. So we were walking to, we, there was an open house for the eighth graders for high school, like to see the high school. So we were walking to the dance studio because I was going to be a dancer. Like I was going to be the best dancer at Teaneck High School. That was my plan. We're walking to the dance studio and then there was a, a fencing demonstration, like right in the hallway. So my mom's like, oh my God, what is this? So interesting. And then she went to the coach. Uh, little did we know at the time, the coach, her daughter was actually on the junior national team. And her daughter later went on to be a bronze medalist in the 2012 Olympics. Um, so she was like, oh, you know, your daughter should fence. You know, if she does if she does dancing, she's going to have really good footwork. So after that, my mom was sold. She's like, okay, well, you're going to start fencing in the fall. And I was like, no, wait, I don't, I don't want to start fencing in the fall. But my mom's a judge. So there's no, oh gosh, you know what I mean? It's kind of just, it is what it is. Um, so I started, I joined the team and I was really upset about it at first because there's a really big dance group that starts in the winter months as well. So I was supposed to be part of that group. All my friends were going to the dance studio and I was going to practice, which was, you know, on the other side of the hallway. Um, but I, I really started to like it. There were, the people who were on the team were really cool. Like I said, our school is really diverse. So when we went to all these other schools, you know, you have these really um, – monotonous looking teams and then you have teenac and we're like all different shapes and sizes all different ethnicities it was a lot of fun that definitely um you know i grew up in my little bubble here in uh, new jersey as well a little, little <laughs> further away than teenac and yeah it was nice when i did i went to rutgers for college and it was actually nice to see other colors for once if, if it's the best it, it just the- actually makes it more interesting and more conversation different life experiences that whole thing but um going back to the the fencing part of it something so your mom's a judge so clearly as you said there's really no conversation it's just mm-hmm. this is what you're gonna do was it mm-hmm. literally just that one event and she was like you're doing yeah, it or it like one. nothing no extra let's look into this so see nope. that see that's that's an interesting because <laughs> like i feel like being a judge she would be very like well, you know i want you to do this but let me look into it a little bit first it would guess it was well, just i think what it was was her interaction with my coach just went so well she probably filled in a lot of details i just don't know about and they're actually still best friends to this day which is the cutest thing ever but um i think you know my coach was just saying that you know, it's a great sport. She probably gave her a little bit of details about competitions. Her daughter went to Princeton um, and she definitely got financial aid. So she was like, you know, if you fence, you can get financial aid. And my mom was like, oh, we're sold. Yeah. Yep. Hey, give me money. Yep. We'll do it. Let's go. Go on. <laughs> we're sold. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And that, I guess, you know, now that you say it's, it's the relationship factor, I mean, if she saw this coach as a person that could possibly teach you life skills as well, um, I mm-hmm. could see that being extremely important. Not that a dance teacher couldn't, but obviously right. she had this specific interaction with the fencing coach. They just um, really so, hit it off. Yeah. Yeah. And it, as you said, they're still friends. I mean, what are we talking 10 years later at this point? I mean, that's 15-ish. Um, 14, 14 years later. 14 years later. 14 years Look later. At- yeah you're right yeah that was oh my gosh yeah that's crazy look at that so yeah it all it all clearly worked out so not too bad that is that is crazy and then so you get into fencing where you like how long did it take you you know I think that's really interesting point you made that the coach said you know she's a dancer she has good footwork she'll probably pick it up how long did it actually take Mm -hmm. you to finally realize like oh wait no I can I can actually do this 
So it's interesting. Fencing is a really weird sport because it's like an onion. Like every time you get to a new layer, you pull back another layer and there's like something else to discover. So I think the general gist of, oh, I should move forward. I should move backwards. Like that didn't take me too long. But the thing about fencing is it's really strategic and you have to have the right person teach you those strategies. I didn't learn that until years after I started fencing. So I learned... So I started fencing my freshman year of college, I mean high school, and then I joined my club, the Peter Westwick Foundation, my junior year of high school. And that was a, a whole different level. So that when you join a real club and you have, take up your lessons, that's when you start going to competitions and all that. So that's when I really learned, um, you know, there's a sequence to action you're supposed to just do. You don't just get on the strip and go, oh, I don't know what to do. Um, and then it really wasn't until college that I was able to piece all those things that I had learned together. So it took me like four years before I really had a grasp on what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. again, most sports in general, there's always, (laughs) there's always so many elements that you kind of have to put together once your brain can actually figure out what you're doing. Um, I just think it's interesting that, I mean, it only took you four years and you were recruited to go to a division one school, right? Temple was division one for fencing. So I mean, like, that's incredible. Yeah. So I didn't really understand how, like now looking at it, I'm like, I don't understand how I did that. But at the time I, I, I had a list of schools that I wanted to go to since forever. And most of them were historically black colleges or universities. And that demographic just doesn't fence that much. So none of those teams had any schools. I never really was too big on the Ivy league thing just cause I didn't really feel like, um, that appealed to me. But when I decided to fence in college, I had to switch to Ivy leagues and then to big state schools. Um, so I was looking at all these places like Columbia, uh, Temple was up there and Temple, the coach is actually really similar to my high school coach and my mom. Just like they're like the, the same person, like all three of them are the same person. So when I was telling my, uh, my fr- or my, my mentors, I would say, that I was looking at certain colleges, they were all like, I think you should go to Temple. And I was just like, well, what's the big deal with Temple? So Temple, I think certain aspects, aspects of it look very similar to Columbia, and I really wanted to go to Columbia. But t- Columbia is like 10 minutes from my house. So I just was not, I didn't want to be, you know, super close to home. I didn't feel like I was going to get a good, um, you know, learn how to live on my own. And Columbia's team was stacked, so I was never going to fence. So I was looking for places where I could fence, and the coach, she was just so nice. She was telling me it didn't matter about my skill levels, about how hard I worked, and that's what I needed because I didn't have any skills. (laughs) My skills are very minimal. Um, So when she said I would start fencing, I was like, oh, that's amazing. It's awesome. Uh, And then after my first year in college, I did really, really well. So I went to her, and I was like, hey, do you think I could have a little bit of financial aid? And she was like, yeah, we were just going to talk to you about that. So that worked out really well. That is awesome. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. after your first year, you won, right, if I'm not mistaken? Because you yeah. can only win four years in a row if you yeah. start in the first year of four. So you definitely did pretty darn well your first year. And, I mean, again, that's just – it's incredible how you could go from, you know, freshman in high school not knowing – mm-hmm. did you see the sport at that point in time, like ever even see it, and then going four years later and now you're winning, um, you know, in Division One competitions. So that I, I think that's incredible. So one thing I actually want to do is actually take time out for a second. Can you explain 
fencing. Can you explain oh, yes. specifically, you know, used a couple and, words um, in there that I, I mean, I watch it once every four years, but that's about it. Can you just explain right. the three disciplines um, yes. essentially and just so people have a good understanding of what we're talking about? Yes. Yeah, so um, saber, there's three weapons, saber, epi, foil. Everyone's pretty much heard that before. Saber is the tar so the target area is different in all three weapons and the motions are the same but the the strategy is different so saber is what i fence the targets from the waist up it comes from like the cavalry times when you would sit on a horse and like try to whack people with it which is if you do that motion that's kind of saber fencing um saber fencing is about right of way so what that means is you have to move forward first before the other person moves forward first, and then you have right of way. If you don't have right of way, then, then you can either make them miss or you can take a parry. And parries are always the things that they're doing in Pirates of the Caribbean where they're just like, like blocking each other. Yes. Um, so saber fencing is like a lot of running towards people and blocking them. <laughs> that sounds like um, fun. Yes, and I'm really fast and athletic, which is why as soon as I started high school fencing, my coach was like, oh, you're going to go fence saber. Foil fencing is the target area is just, um, just the chest area. It looks like a little vest. It's like a little gray vest. That's what they did in the parent trap, if you saw that. Um, and foil fencing is very similar, the same rules as, as saber fencing, but they're a little slower. Um, Say foil fencing, you hit with the point, so you have to touch them with their point. It's very, yeah, very old school, very like 1700s, uh, and that's foil. And then epe is, epe is just a savage weapon. It is, it's point as well, so you have to hit them with the, the point of your blade, and it's the entire body. So you can hit them on their mask, you can hit them on their hand, you can hit them on their toe, and it's a lot, it's less like, um, moving forward and backwards all the time, like saber and foil. And it's more of like taking a couple steps back, drawing them in, trying to set them up for something really cool. Yeah. Nice. That sounds like fun. Totally yeah, the I mean, that was the thing. Like when, it, when someone finally explained fencing to me on, on those kind of terms, it was just like, so I just get to hit people with a sword all day. Like that doesn't really yes. sound that bad. And then you think, but I'm also getting hit with a sword all day. So it's probably not the most fun thing right, in the world, exactly. but you have the whole body yeah. suit on and I just assume it doesn't hurt too much. So that is cool. So thank you very much for mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I, I like giving people, um, you know, You're obviously I speak to swimmers and, and track athletes a lot, um, considering the number of them on team USA. So, uh, people kind of know what running is. Not too many people really know what fencing is. So I really right. do appreciate, no, um, a little don't. breakdown. It's hard to explain too. No, I think you did a great job. It makes sense. That's um, a basic gist. And I think, yeah, if people, it, after your explanation and, um, just kind of, the, again, the basic gist of hitting people with a sword. I think a couple of people are going to be looking up on YouTube exactly how fencing works. So I hope that's, I hope that's oh, pretty nice. fun and people enjoy that a little bit. So um, awesome. So you go, you get recruited, you're at Temple, you start crushing it. You actually start getting some financial aid, which is incredible. At what point, you know, like, again, it was such a giant leap from only four years ago. Now you're sophomore, junior, you're still winning. You're still, you know, again, four times in a row. You're only there for four years. Um, <laughs> You know, so at what point did you finally realize, like, maybe this is something that I can actually use or utilize in the future, such as an Olympic athlete, such as is someone that can actually just kind of maybe make a couple dollars from doing something like this? So um, when you're younger, I would say high school, 
and you're a really high-level fencer, the goal for you is to get on a national team. They have age categories, so they have cadet, which is under 17, junior, which is under 20, and then senior, which is the Olympic level. I My first year traveling nationally was my last year in cadet. So I never had a chance to go to any cadet World Cups. And then so to make a national team, you have to go to a certain number of World Cups and go to national competitions. So when I first started fencing, all my teammates, they were going to Hungary. They were all going to France together. And I was just like, oh, that's awesome. I want to go too. But it was my last year. My next goal was to go to um, Junior World Cups, so under 20. I wasn't able to go to them as soon as I went to college because I wasn't ranked high enough. So as soon as I was able to go, I tried to go. And I only had one year. So that year I was fencing, I got so much better because I was fencing all these high-level international fencers and I was traveling all these places. And I was just thinking, this is so cool. Um, and for me, I just wasn't satisfied. A lot of fencers quit fencing. A lot of athletes quit their sport after they're done with college because, you know, it just isn't doing anything for them anymore. But I really wanted to keep going because I had only been to four World Cups. So I was like, well, what else is there in store for me? And how much better can I get if I just keep traveling? And you kept traveling, huh? And yeah, clearly. Traveling. And you kept going. I mean, that's a, that's, a pretty, yeah. that's a pretty awesome way to look at it. It's like, wait, all my friends are going to France. I want to go to France. Like, hey, exactly. let me you know, do that. Having so much fun. I know. Oh, I was uh, really, I was left out for a couple of years. That, I'm, unfortunately, but clearly you have the, uh, you have the upper hand now because you're- I caught up. You, yep. I was you, like, you I'm caught up. There. You got there. You're getting them. Uh, that is too funny. So you- so I guess that was, I mean, that makes sense when you kind of, it was more of a, hey, I want to do this rather than mm-hmm. a realization, it almost seems like. And then what was it like actually being named to the United States team and actually being, I mean, that was in 2014, so it's four years ago now. You've been yeah. with the team for a while. What was that experience like and just understanding that now you're one of the best in the country at something? Yeah, so um, there's two different um, teams, you could say. So one of them so when you go to a world cup they take the top 12 people so um my first two years of med school i was like floating in between 12 and 13 12 and 13 so i was able to go to some not all and then 2014 is when i jumped up to around like nine or something like that so i was always going to world cups um it was really exciting because it kind of just solidified that I was getting better. I didn't have to bite my fingernails to figure out if I was going to be able to go to this World Cup or not. And you start, I started traveling, you know, everywhere all the time. It was really exciting. Um, also, when you become one of the people that they know are going to be traveling, you get invited to the national team camps. You get to go to international camps. So I just became, you know, like one of the people who – I see all the time on YouTube and I'm hanging out with them and having dinner with them. It was really, really amazing. That is super cool. And Mm -hmm. then it also, again, you know, just going back to how once you started traveling, you started to get significantly better because you're playing. Significantly better. What's that term? Do you play? Fencing. That you fence? Because you're fencing. Yeah, because you're fencing someone. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's actually a really good point. So you're fencing people from all over the world and now you're getting invited to some of these events and, and it's expected for you to be there. So you're developing relationships with people, picking brains and going to the camps, as you were saying. So you're just significant, you know, the better you get, the more practice you're going to get with it and everything. So let's take a second and just, I mean, I've watched Scrubs. My girlfriend's a huge Grey's Anatomy fan. How did you go to medical school and still continuously get better? I mean, apparently those TV shows just tell me that you don't have time to, they, you know, you, sleep. It's No, it's crazy because 
it's like I look back and I'm just like I don't know how I did it I was young <laughs> well I'm still young but I was younger I was my first two years of med school I was sleeping three hours on average so some nights I slept two some nights I slept four but I would just go to class so the thing with med school is um, most med schools work in like a block. So you learn something for six weeks and you get tested on and you move to the next thing. Most medical students kind of hang out for like one or two weeks. And then the third week, they really start studying. I started studying from day one all the time. Like I could never really turn off. I was always just like going, 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 going. On the weekends, I was sitting there studying like a crazy person because as soon as class was over, I studied for like a couple hours and then I had to hop on the train and go to practice. And as soon as practice was over, I had to hop on the train and come right back and keep studying. So that was pretty much my schedule for two years. Um, also, I learned in med school, which is just a really good rule of thumb, is just to, to ask for things. I feel like sometimes you're in this structured environment, you don't think you can ask for anything. Uh, and I figured out, nope, you can ask for it. So, you know, before we had, there's, Maybe half my exams I either took, I took early because I had a competition or we were having a training camp in Europe. So I, was, I went to them and I said, oh, can I take my test a week early or something like something ridiculous? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure. And speaking to other men students when they have other obstacles in their life, they just never thought that they could ask. All I do is ask. Ask for everything. Oh, I mean, I worse, you're, you're in the same situation if you don't ask or they say no. So, I mean, you exactly. might as well ask. I mean, there's might at least a ask. chance they'll say yes mm -hmm. and then you'll be in a better situation. So that is, yeah. um, that's a great, I actually am trying, I'm doing my best to live light by that. Um, not quite a hundred percent there yet, but I do ask for a lot of things. So I'm not, I'm not Just too keep, worried about, Hey, keep asking and get I got you here, it. right? I don't I think I've you. ever had a no. Really? Wow. I don't think so. Because usually when I come to them, I have my whole everything mapped out. So right now, like I, I took some time off school. I went to my team. I had everything mapped out. I was like, hey, can I do this? And this is what I'm going to do. And I, I showed them all the steps. So it doesn't seem, you know, like you're trying to get over on somebody if you have like a full plan in store. Yeah, I would just kind of wing it. So right. that's yeah, probably exactly. why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> completely makes sense would you look at that so I mean it's just it's still incredible to me how you were you're able to just continuously get better now you're fifth in the world right if I'm not mistaken was that was that the number we used your number five no, or I'm like, in the country in the country I'm sorry I'm sorry in the country in the world that would be pretty cool <laughs> we're not there it's yet not there in yet the but world, we're getting there yes we're getting Here's there but years. let's do it <laughs> but fifth in the country so again you're just continuously getting better your workload I'm assuming it's not getting any easier. You're a fourth no, year MD and MBA <laughs> student. So, I mean, now that's essentially you're going for two graduate degrees, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Like, well, actually, I, the, with your MBA or any dual degree program in med school, you take time off and then you finish that program and then you come back. So with the cool. MBA, um, I went to business school for a year and a half and then um, I graduated from business school, but it's not technically, you know, complete until I graduate from uh, med school as well. That makes sense. And that's, mm -hmm. again, just incredible that you're continuing to do all this stuff um, and getting better and better at both just at the same time. I mean, if that's not, I mean, I'm curious what your daily planner looks like. Is it down to like the oh, yeah. minute, I'm assuming? It's down to the hour. I try to okay. ease up off the minutes because if you miss something, you know, you just go crazy. But every hour is definitely planned out. Yeah, I, I do hour and sometimes half hour if I have something at 2.30 or at 4.30. Oh, yeah. Like mm -hmm. today, it, mm -hmm. that's cool. I can break it up into that way. But that is, I mean, it's just incredible. So one, so obviously 
with the fencing, with trying to become a doctor. I don't know. Oh, man, I didn't even say doctor yet this entire time. You wouldn't allow me Go to call you it. doctor, Kamali. But Kamali's trying to be a doctor, guys, which I think is absolutely incredible. Obviously, she's a med student. We talked about that. So what about, you know, what kind of, let's start, what kind of doctor are you trying to be? Because it turns out there's lots of those. And what are you yeah. trying to do with that, I guess, moving forward? So I actually switched gears. Um, I originally wanted to be a pediatrician and then I got to med school and I, right as I got to med school, I um, fractured my thumb, <clears throat> like right when I started completing, competing internationally. So then I wanted to be a primary care sports medicine physician, in which case I could still work with kids. And then my third year of med school, I walked into an OR for the first time, sorry, operating room. Um, and it was Again, I watch scrubs. Ever. I watch scrubs. I oh, know. I know. <laughs> I know all the terminology. <laughs> You're like, I know OR. But um, I walked into an OR for the first time, and I was just like, "This is the best thing ever." So I looked into orthopedic surgery, which is um, sports. You can do sports medicine, but orthopedic surgery is bones and joints. So, um, sports medicine people, if you know anyone's leg pops out of their skin during a basketball game, like that's the one who fixes it. So I was like, this is awesome. This is totally what I want to do. I want to work with athletes. I want to fix people's bones. I get to use saws. I get to use hammers. I get to use drills. This is the best. So it's like you're a construction worker, kind of. Yeah, it's very similar. Like a body construction worker. Wow, that sounds yes. like so much. <laughs> yes, like that sounds body. like so much. And again, thankfully, there are people like you on planet Earth that do that because, I mean, I'm cool. Like if I cut myself, I can put a Band-Aid, but that's probably yeah. as far as I'm going to go. I start to get queasy when there's too much blood. So um, thankfully, again, people like you on planet Earth really appreciate that. And so obviously, again, you got your MBA. You're, you're trying to become, a, a, you know, this – Type. orthopedic surgeon thank you thank you mm -hmm. um is that mean that's something uh down the road you expect to own your own business or is it something where maybe you can kind of latch on with team usa in one shape way form or another um, or? i think there's a lot of possibilities i could um a lot of orthopedic surgeons, especially in the New York area, are team doctors for all the professional teams. So where I am now, we there are team doctors for the Knicks, there are team doctors for the Giants. So that would be an amazing opportunity. I definitely would love to have later down the line. But the possibilities are endless. You know, I could start my own group practice and go private or something like that because I have an MBA. That's why I got it, just just to have it on my, you know, on my bookshelf waiting to use it. Um, I don't know. For for now, I feel like I've, I have so many goals. I can't even think past residency. So first step is we're going to get into a really awesome residency and then we're going to go from there. Love it. Absolutely mm -hmm. love it. And I do understand what residency is. Again, girlfriend made me watch a bunch of those TV shows. Um, so what, um, what's a, what's being a resident like? Cause I, I'll, okay guys. So I've watched Kamali's um, Instagram stories and they're mm -hmm. pretty awesome. So I, I highly suggest at the end when you give us your, your handle, everybody Thanks. does that. But yeah. some of that sounds awful. Mostly the getting up on the train by four forty-five in the morning. Oh I've been on God, those trains. That was terrible. Those are the worst trains bad. in the world. But anyway, what's it like being a resident? How close are they to the TV shows? Um, I, I watched Scrubs a long time ago. Recently I've, I've gone through Grey's Anatomy again it's kind of similar, the, the, the lifestyle, not the, oh, let me date all my attendings. That's yeah, not, yeah, no, that no, I don't want, I don't, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's similar when you're a resident, you, especially when you're in surgery, so like general surgery or orthopedic surgery, you're on call, you're on 24-hour call, like 
twice or three times a week. So that's going to be really rough. But in all honesty, I think it's going to be very similar to my life right now. So the average medical student, you know, goes to class at nine and leaves at like four or five, whereas me operating, I'm out the house at 7 a.m. and I come back at 10, 8, 10, 10 p.m. So that's kind of what residents do. <laughs> so I already feel like I'm ready. I'm ready for my residency training right now. Perfect. Um, yeah, it's a lot of responsibility. You know, it's you go from being a, a student and watching everyone do things to you taking care of like 20 or 30 people by yourself. So it's a rough transition, but I think it gets it gets easier around the middle of first year. Yeah, and obviously that, you know, throw someone into the fire, they definitely learn yes. a lot quicker, in my opinion, at least that's the way I've at least been able to do it, and it works. Um, but man, that is just incredible. And, and, and again, going back to the, the fencing side of the conversation, is that something that kind of has to be put on hold then, considering this is what seems like a very long term plan of yours? Yes, well, um, no, because I structured my life. So fencing could um, be done now because I know I couldn't do it later. So I took off a, a year um, and then I went to business school and now I'm doing research. So I kind of prolonged my, all of my med school so I could fence. And then in 2020, I'll be finished, unfortunately. But you oh. know what? Fencers are never finished. People always go back to practice. They have um, an age group called vets, which is older than 40. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll do that. But um, I was going to yeah. say, you have a couple years till you're 40, man, yeah, right? Like, you got a little while. I'm sure I won't be finished fencing. I'll just be done competing internationally on that level. And of course, that's, you know, that's the, I mean, that happens to everybody, um, mm -hmm. pretty much every sport. Um, so what, uh, let's, let's talk about 2020 then. I mean, obviously you've kind of, again, lined, you I'm lined everything up, you lined everything up to get to I this did. point. And, and, uh, I mean, it seems like it, that's unfortunately like the way you're saying it, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, that's the one shot you're taking, um, yes. essentially. So first actually, why not 2016? Was it just the skill level slash talent? Was that not quite up to snuff yet? No, so I actually tried to make the 2016 team, and I actually was fifth. Um, and so how does qualifying work? You got to be top four. Oh, I know. Top four is just like this number. I got to hop over there. But um, it's it was a long, difficult process. I was heartbroken when I didn't make it. It was nobody's fault but my own that I didn't make it. And it's not even a fault thing. It's just like a not the right time thing. Um but I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And I've taken, I think the biggest mistake I could make now or going to 2020 is making the same mistakes bef that I made before. Cause I know those situations didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Um, but that's life. You know, you try to have, you have a goal, you don't make it and then you learn from it and then you just keep trying. Exactly. And that's, and that's what we're doing. So with 2020, exactly. I mean, it sounds like you're fifth. So you're right there. You're on the cusp. No, we just have to like couple, <laughs> jump up a couple of spots and then I'll just be in there. That is awesome. So what, yeah. um, so qualifying is top four. Is there a particular event? Is it point-based? Because after talking to all these athletes, there's like mm -hmm. a thousand Everything different ways for every sport. Yeah. So I really like what we do in fencing. Actually, we do um, every single competition matters because if it all came down to one competition, that would be awful. So we have eight World Cups and four national competitions. If you uh, finish higher than 64th place, you get a number associated with your result. You add up all those numbers, and then that tells you the points at the end of the year. Um, so 
if you win, you know, the first three or four competitions and everyone else is coming in like a hundredth, then you know that you're doing much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then usually Olympic, well, every year you can usually tell where you stand and where you're going to finish. Okay. And so that doesn't, and that all happens in 2019? That starts May of 2019 and it ends March of 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's a little, I guess, what was it? It was eight World Cups and four. So it's 12 events. 12 events. Over the course of like, yeah, like almost a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's incredible. And so we're, we're lining up. So what specifically, or maybe you don't want to give away your secrets, but what I guess are you doing differently this time than you did in 2016, especially considering it's not like you did that bad. You were only one spot away. So it doesn't <laughs> yeah. sound like you need to change that much. Or mm-hmm. again, it wasn't your fault that you didn't make it. It was just, that's just the way it kind of happened, especially if you gave it your best. But so what exactly are you doing differently this time to really just hop up that one potential spot? I think um, there's different aspects to the training that I caught on to a little late, but now I know exactly what to do. So um, physical training, I didn't get a trainer until it was way late. And like I said, I'm already kind of naturally athletic. So I didn't think that, you know, like my cross training would be a big deal. That was a lie. It is a big deal. So I have a trainer now where work fencers are uh, one-sided. So every, like your your right leg is bigger than your left leg, your right calf is bigger than your left calf. But all that plays a um, a part in how you move. So right now we're spending this whole year, like getting my left side as strong as my right side. Um, sports psychology. I got a sports psychologist too late. So I have one of those. So we can always talk about how to improve fencing's really mental. Uh, I think it's, I think it's the most mental sport because you can be in a great mindset fencing this one person, and then you have an hour break and Lord knows what can happen in that hour. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're a different fencer. And then training wise, I not so much now because I'm still in school and doing research, but Olympic year, I want to set up more like international camp experiences of my own, not necessarily depending on other people and making sure I fill in the gaps I need to fill in. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely makes sense. I didn't know, I guess it, now again seeing it in my mind how it works <laughs> that totally makes sense that one side of your body is going to be oh I it's guess, significantly bigger i mean it's not significantly worst. not like cartoon no, it's significant. like not it's like i'm thinking of like a cartoon unfortunately oh. for whatever reason and it's just like yeah. it looks ridiculous but no it definitely makes sense that mm-hmm. that it looks bigger and does that kind of like throw off your balance like what exactly does that do that you want to really try and make sure everything's the same well, no, it, it's almost the opposite. Your body like doesn't function properly because one side is doing so much bigger or, or is so much bigger. So for example, um, if, okay, so if you can imagine you're, everyone's seen a fencing position, your, your dominant foot is in front of you and your um, other foot is right underneath your hips and you bend your knees, right? So your right leg or whichever foot is in the front is going to be the one that really dictates which way you're moving. If you're going forward, you're going back and that thigh is going to be really big. But when you're lunging, that all comes off your back leg. So your lunge is how you finish the attack. That's how you land. That's how you really hit someone. But if you think about it, your right leg's really, really large. Your lunge is not going to be as powerful if your back leg doesn't have that push mm-hmm. um and then it's really difficult when you notice it and you try to work it out you whatever side is so weak it's really discouraging you don't even want to fix it you're just like okay well i'm just gonna let this leg do whatever it wants but it's really important for you to do that or even 
um, one of our obliques is bigger than the other oblique. So you have to strengthen your core. So you, the same reason, you know, if you're going in one direction, your core is not going to be as good if you're going the other direction. You have to, I didn't realize this either. I just thought it was, you know, just bad. But my trainer really broke down and said, no, we have to fix this because of these reasons. And I was like, wow, you're great. That is pretty cool. You're that really is, good. Yeah. yeah, thankfully that again, that's why those trainers are trainers and I just ask people questions about their life. It's so much yeah. easier though. I enjoy it. Right. Um so I guess one one last question, because uh, I know you probably want to get back to studying or, or doing whatever the heck you're nor regularly scheduled programming. The one thing I guess that that really resonated with me a little bit was the fact that you brought up you have a sports psychologist. How much does not I guess like you have teammates but mm-hmm. like it's a very individual sport and you're trying to beat them. And as we said, you were fifth yeah. in the United States. You're trying to get to fourth, which means you're going to have to beat one of your teammates to move yeah. up or, or multiple mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Crossing my fingers for you. But um, so like what, what does like, how does that whole aspect of them being teammates, but you wanting, you needing to compete against them? How does that drive you? How does that hold you back? Does that like, I guess, what are the mental pros and cons of that? Well, the weird part isn't even that, you know, um, we're teammates and we're trying to fence each other. The weird part is that 90% of us live in New York and we're practicing with each other. That's the real part that really, (laughs) when you think about it is pretty wild. So I, it's, fencing is crazy because, so I have to beat you, but I have to train with you so I can get better. And when I'm training with you, you are, you know what I'm doing and I know what you're doing. So then the, the reason you need a sports psychologist is because your brain can trick you into so many crazy things when you're fencing. Like, let's say I get on this trip to fence one of my, like, friends who we've trained with. I'm going to start off the bout. Do I start off the bout normally? Do I try to assume she's going to she's gonna think about what I usually do? Do I try to throw her off? Or do I just stick with what I normally do and try to beat her what she normally does? Like, your brain can go through so much and you just don't have that much time. Um, but to answer your question... It is weird. Um, it's much easier to fence someone you don't know. It's much easier to just get on the strip and just, I don't know who you are and like, I'm going to beat you. The weird part about internet or, or just national and international fencing is we see the same people. So um, anytime you fence someone you've seen before, it's I think it's a little bit more difficult than if someone just casually walked up the street and hopped on this strip. But at the same time, you have familiarity, right? So if I fence you all the time or I've seen you fencing all the time, I know what to expect versus that random person. So it's really weird. Um, the other really weird part is that we have at World Cups, we have team events. So on Friday and Saturday, I'm fencing and I might have to fence you. And then on Sunday, we all got to come together and be a team. So it's very odd, but I think it – I think it prepares you for the real world because like med students, we're all kind of competing with each other. But at the end of the day, when we have a patient, we have to work together. Uh, And that's just kind of how it is in a lot of different fields. So it's weird, but if you can have a handle on it and you can know when to be competitive and not be competitive, that's a really important part. I think everything's okay. Absolutely. And that's a great analogy you made, especially, I mean, to your, to your med student life. It's so true. You guys are competing because there's only so many residency spots, right? Like Mm -hmm. in in every spot. And I'm sure more than one person wants a job that there's only a couple of spots open for. So it is, um, you know, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, someone's dying on you or someone's sick. You're going to try it. You're going to, you have to, yeah, we're not worried about that one residency job that's up in a year. We're worried about this patient here right now. So yeah, I've always been just been curious, especially with very individual team sports and, and, and more so with yours because with swimming and with, with track, like, you know, it's you against the track more than anything. It's you against the clock. Like if you beat 
their time, that's one thing, but there's nothing like what you guys are doing. You're individually fighting, fencing each other. So you, as you are saying tendencies and, Oh, is this person going to start off the way they usually do? Mm -hmm. Oh, we practiced like this, like two days ago. Does that mean exactly? exactly. I could see that being just a whole like total brain, uh, brain whack and just being crazy confusing. But yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad I I remembered and uh, was able to ask that question. question. It's very, very odd. Yeah, I can only imagine. And the fact that you guys all, as you said, 90% of you live in the same city. Granted, it's a big city, but still you're continuously. Well, we all practice together. Yeah, exactly. Because we're the so best. Like, so you, you have to. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird. And then when we have international camps, uh, we have those usually right before the competition. So then you you compete against someone. You're like, oh, I just finished you two days ago You know, at that camp. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I can uh, I can only imagine. I just do sales, so I'll just I'll fight with all the salesmen. How's that sound? Awesome. Well, Kamali, I mean, this was absolutely phenomenal. Soon to be Dr. Kamali Thompson of USA Fencing. Um, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. An Olympic hopeful for 2020. One more spot. That's all we're looking for. I think you can do it. Why not? Let's, right? I'm crossing say, my fingers. Let's, just say like set, let's go for first. Okay, cool. Yeah, because Four you can more never, spots. Yeah, you can never settle. Very true. For, yeah, we'll just say Soon to be first. Hopefully. Soon to be number one in mm-hmm. the United States of America at fencing. Wow, that sounds kind of ranked. Doctor Kamali Thompson. Soon to be no. That's that's a mouthful. That's, really that's a good. little much. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no. Okay, awesome. Thank you again so much, Kamali. I really appreciate it. This was absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed myself. Guys and girls, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Kamali Thompson. She is such an incredible person. I absolutely loved having her on. She was so much fun to talk to. If you guys don't mind, make sure you follow her across all her socials. She does some really cool stuff, specifically on Instagram. Really love seeing some of the stuff she does there and what she's got going on. Um, And just seeing what it's like to be, you know, a doctor and an Olympic athlete all at the same time or an Olympic hopeful all at the same time. It's incredible. So um, everything will be in the show notes. So please follow her there. Other than that, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please follow me at ourathletes.us on Instagram. Shoot me a message, Michael at ourathletes.us. If you want to tell me something I could do a little bit better. And if I can ask you to do one more thing for me, please rate, review, share, subscribe, tell some people what we got going on over here because I think our Olympic athletes and hopefuls deserve more recognition. And if there's one thing that you can do to give it to them, I think they would be extremely appreciative. So thank you guys one last time. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you have a wonderful day.